0: I must not fear. Fear is the mind-killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Frank Herbert, Dune. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Secrets of Saturn. I am Jason Lindgren, your host. On this episode we have Stephanie Lloyd. She is a former Playboy employee turned truther who has undergone severe emotional, physical, and psychological abuse and wishes to discuss her experiences and how she has deprogrammed and healed herself with food and plant-based medicine. We also have joining us as co-host, Russell Blatberg who is a mutual friend of ours. Welcome to the show. Hi. Stephanie, would you like to start from your childhood and we'll work our way up from there?
1: Yeah. Well, basically, the earliest memories I have are probably from the age of around three, um, when my parents actually broke up. Um, Basically, my parents led me off against each other. They used me as a tool against each other. They both led me to believe that I was bad and evil. And basically anytime I told the truth and tried to reach out, I was labelled a liar. Um, I lived with my mum from the age of three to three seven, and I had emotional abuse from my mum. She literally labelled me evil, the devil child, Um, I was basically isolated. I spent most of my time during them years in my bedroom on my own. I felt like I didn't belong, like an orphan. I felt unloved. And basically the the only one person that I felt loved by, which was my dad's mum. she kept me away from, she'd punish me. She knew I felt loved there, so she'd keep me away from her. That was my punishment. Um... He kept away from the one person I felt loved by. Um, during this time I used to actually have like weekend visits to my dad but that wasn't on a regular basis. but actually when I went to my dad's um, and incidents would happen um, literally I would tell my mom and then she'd speak to my dad and he would say I was a liar. And basically, this this just went on for years. Anytime I reached out and spoke to them, I had um, an uncle that was actually looking after me and sleeping with me naked. Um, And it was really, really uncomfortable for me, as you can imagine. And I reached out and told my mum, and she actually told me that that was normal and that that was just what happened, and that's what he did, and that it was nothing to worry about. Um, she would leave me them with him sometimes for weeks while well, she went on holiday, and every night that would go on, and he would play games with me, and these games weren't normal games. They were games where he would press his body parts against me, and when I, like I said, when I reached out, I was just labelled evil, and similar sort of incidents were happening when I went to my dad. I was seeing him beat his wife up, and literally. My mum punished me for being my dad's child. She hated the way I looked like him. She hated the way I smiled like him. And she she basically took it out on me with emotional abuse. When I was seven, my mum actually um, packed all my stuff and sent me to my dad's and told me she didn't want me, that I was part of him. I was far too evil to be her child. And literally when I lived with my dad then, I was seven and literally then being a, being like a mom to my younger sister. And my dad started to do things like from the age of, say, nine to 11, dress me up. He would put makeup on me when his wife went to work and he would dress me up in her clothes. And then he would have me and Mrs. give us drink, have us drinking, and then he would... Just put songs on and film us and have me singing songs like I'm Too Sexy, which I really wasn't comfortable with. Um, then I got to, when I got to, like, the 11th sort of stage and started to develop a little bit, my dad would comment on body parts. He would tell teach me what body parts were called, all the different body parts, um, and literally... If I, when he walked in the room and I would cover myself when I was getting changed, he would literally accuse me of saying he was a pervert, so I'd have to uncover myself. It got to the stage where I didn't want to be baffed by him anymore, and literally again, I was accused of him being a pervert, and then it was all turned around on me, and there was violence I was getting my little sister to sleep every night so him beating his wife up, hearing sexual things. Um, There was incidents where once he played monopoly with his wife in front of us, strip monopoly. And then again, I was accused of of being bad because I didn't want to look and I was awkward about it. Um, So we were forced to do that and then he'd force his wife to make, our dinner and a thong and stuff. It was just all really sexual. We would find pictures around the house of sexual stuff. We would be watching family videos and it would cut out sexual stuff. Um, he would put music on and want us to dance and sing I'm Too Sexy and, like I said, give us drink continually. And this went on till basically the age of 11. And then I literally, there was an incident. He took me back to my nan's, the person I felt safe. And during that time, I rang Childline and social services, which basically there was no help. And I ended up going back to my mum. When I went back to my mum, she was actually really, like, happy about the abuse. And basically, like, I knew that would happen. And basically... Then, for the rest of the time that I was with her, she was just really again back with the emotional abuse, back with the you left me, you're evil, you're an evil child. And this went on till basically I was 15, and then she threw me out, and I ended up in um, a relationship with um, the guy who I actually went on to have two children with, and that abuse went on for 10 years. And literally, I, I had no support and I was just going back and forth to my mom and dad for support, which was not happening because it was just more abuse and the abuse has just continued right on until, until basically this, this point in my life.
0: How did all this uh, affect your schooling? Did, did no one in school noticed? Any of the teachers or anyone at all?
1: Well, not really because I tried to reach out to different people, like I said, People like social services, the police. But basically, what I found with the social services, I mean, when I was a child, the social services were actually involved and they actually labelled me evil, along with my mum. I told them about the abuse of my uncle. Um, They brought in, like, dolls with body parts to show the stuff. And the official report was that I was evil. There was no help. The police came to visit when I lived with my dad and obviously my dad assured them everything was fine. They never really even spoke to me. And obviously when you're a scared child anywhere, you know, and you, you, your dad's saying everything's fine, there is no protection. As the exact same with the abuse that I was getting when I was in the relationship. You know, you, you call the police and they come around and then they're checking you for seeing if you're harming yourself. Because the, the abusers basically put it on you. And obviously, you know, at the time, you, you're pretty deluded because the abusers are basically telling you that it's your fault that you're getting abused, that they're doing it to you because you deserve it. And it's only been since... I started to watch things like Kathy O'Brien and Arizona Wilder and see actually that you block the abuse and you question yourself all your life onto whether you're... Basically, all my life since all the abuse, I've questioned my own sanity. And it's only since being introduced to psychedelics by Russell and I actually did the salvia in England. And that started to bring things out for me because literally after doing the salvia for like three weeks, my whole life was just turned upside down. And I was, I'd was be walking along and then I'd get start getting memories of childhood like with my uncle and it'd all just come to me really clear and then I'd cry and I'd, I'd finally realise and see things for exactly how they are because you have these realisations and then realise that you're not crazy, that you're, you're not a bad person because... You're actually, like, unlocking these memories that you've compartmentalized for all these years. And it's hard. But, you know, like, at the, at the same time, you need to actually get to the root of the problem because it just leads you into all these other things all your life, which is why I've ended up in the life that I've ended up in and doing the things that I've ended up doing.
0: So everything failed you from, yeah, from a- the beginning on up? Yeah. The government failed you, the system failed you, your family failed you, and until you actually met some good, very awake people, things were pretty
2: bleak. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I started to talk to Russell and he told me about the psychedelics, because I used to say to Russell, what do you think I need to do? What advice could you give me? And Russell's advice was the psychedelics. But firstly, I'd said before that as well, When I started to look into the truth, which was actually when I got really ill, I started to have a lot of health problems. During that time when I had the health problems, again, I isolated myself and I literally spent like two years in my bedroom. Um, And during that time, I took the time to start doing some research into my health and stuff. And it led me into like the pharmaceutical industry and the corruption. So it's led me into looking into the more natural things because I was literally facing having an operation where they wanted me to have my full womb taken and I wasn't comfortable with that idea because to me that was taking away the last thing I had which was my womanliness being a woman so having my full womb taken away didn't make sense to me and everybody was trying to push me into having the operation and to me I'd, I would have rather died and I was lay there dying, I was losing blood every day, I was really weak, there was no support yet again um, all the doctors that wanted to do was put me on medication, and I actually did go on the medication for a while because at the time I was losing the blood and I, and I had my two children to see to, and it was literally the only thing stopping the bleeding at the time. But it was giving me all sorts of other symptoms like I was getting really hot, I was emotionally unstable, I was literally like getting like hairs coming out, which chin, just all sorts of crazy symptoms. that's when I started to really think right while I was lay there I started to research and then I started to look into things and I came across cannabis so literally when I started to find about how cannabis could help I started to smoke it and that was a really big turning point for me and really started to get me through because I started to think more clearly and I started to be able to read better research better um I started to be able to get through things. So actually finding the cannabis led me to finding something that someone had shared. And then I found Russell. And then literally when I started to talk to Russell and sort of get get things out, because I literally had no one to talk to before this. I'd just been going from, like I said before, abuser to abuser. And I was very deluded because to me... I didn't realize this, but because the abuse was less each time, maybe you just think that you've got you with a better person when really that's not true. You're just with someone that's abusing you in a different way because there's all different types of abuse. There's obviously physical abuse where you're getting punched, which was more like the abuse I was with for 10 years where I was getting physically abused, um, but then when you go into like emotional abuse as well, it's very confusing because because you don't actually sometimes see the way that you're getting abused, you just think that everything's okay. When literally you're just going from abuser to abuser and from more sorts of mind control. So the thing for me was then speaking to Russell and he suggested the psychedelics so I actually got offered to do some salvia some neighbor of mine had some salvia that they've had for years so I was really desperate for some sort of answers and some else so I took the salvia when I took the salvia for that for literally a few weeks then like I said my whole life literally turned upside down things started to come out I was having these visual- visualizations I'd be literally walking along and then memories started to come back to me almost like photographic memory I would say and getting took back to the instance of my childhood and seeing clearly so to me then all the things where my parents were telling me that I was lying and that basically I was an evil child started to become clear to me because I actually went back to these incidents and saw them clearly and it was very painful but at the same time very relieving to finally be able to see it because only by getting to the root of why I'd been led into the life I had and seeing why I was the way I was and why I'd been led into the things since because of what had happened. And I was literally starting to get through it. And that's what I've been going through for the lot. Even now, I'm still having these things come out. I mean, and there's still loads more. Just because I'm at the stage where I'm at now, there's still a lot there. A lot of, I mean, I have triggers, yeah, I have triggers a lot of the time, even now in the relationship, I mean, with Russell. I mean, sometimes I turn into, like, a lost child, basically, into a lost child that's, like, feeling like she's being abused again, and I'm not. It's just a little instance trigger me back to that, and literally I'll hide under the covers like I did when I was a child. That was a thing I did. I'd literally go into the bedroom because... That's most of the time where I was isolated to and even put there because that was my punishment, being put there on my own. And I'll I'll hide under the covers. And even, like, still the voices of my parents as well coming into my head on repeat, you're evil, you're evil, you're evil, you're bad. And this is what I have to fight with on a daily basis.
0: Well, mind control works by causing psychological trauma and then giving commands so this is what was repeated to you and done to you over and over and over again all through your childhood and your teenage years what about career things you've done after you got out of school
1: well after i got out of school i i I was left school at 15 and actually was working at 15 um and basically just playing housewife at 15 but at the same time in a violent relationship um, by the time I was 17, I had my first child. And then, literally, during that time, I was literally trying to be a mum at a young age and working jobs in like supermarkets and things like that. But then it was really hard for me to be able to survive. I was either working the really low paid jobs where it was hard to even be able to. Because I had no support from my parents. Basically, my mum was, like, really against me. I'd turn up at her house sometimes with no money for food with the boys, and she'd send me away. She was literally like, I don't want my neighbours seeing this. You've got to go home. She would label me, she'd say, you're a fuck-up, like Britney Spears. You're crazy. She would literally be... If I'd meet her, we'd be in town, and if we saw someone she worked with, she'd say, don't mention the fact that you're my daughter. I don't want them knowing. And she was ringing the social services on me because she'd come round and see that we had no gas or electric. Um, We'd be sat in darkness, I'd be sat cold, so she'd, like, say how bad I was and that I should get a job. Um, So, like, she'd be ringing social services on me, telling them, and they'd be coming around checking my food, my cupboard for food, checking the children's bedroom, checking what clothes. And obviously my children didn't have the best clothes. We used to shop in charity shops. We didn't have the money for that. We didn't have the best food. Sometimes we'd go without eating. Sometimes we'd sit there in darkness. We'd go to bed early. Um, and then that led me into jobs like stripping. I ended up being led into the route of stripping to try and earn money for us. Um, And then I got led into webcamming just to try and try and provide for me and the boys because I had no support from anywhere else. And that was the route I went down. And I ended up in the whole modeling world and the whole playboy world, which I was never comfortable or happy with. But literally at the time, I didn't really have no other choice.
0: What did you experience when you got into a major institution like Playboy?
1: Well, basically, in that world, it's all about one thing. It's all about basically whoring yourself out. And I didn't feel comfortable in that world. You know, I just wasn't comfortable with the way the girls were, the way anything, if it was. And literally, even employees of, Playboy themselves warned me about that whole world, and
3: when they and they told you how people would go missing. Yeah, they told me how
1: people would go missing. Literally, when I went over to America, um, literally like um, someone that worked for Playboy literally picked me up and took me around and took me to Playboy TV because I was appearing on Playboy TV to be interviewed and did a show on there, um, and then I was going to the mansion and stuff, and basically. Even the employees were warning me. They, they were saying, look, you're a nice girl. You seem like an innocent girl. You seem like a girl that doesn't need to be mixed up in this world. Be very careful because girls go missing at the mansion. Girls go, go there to party and there's all sorts, sorts of sexual stuff going on. And drugs. Yeah, and drugs. And they go missing and never come back. And these sort of stories don't come out. Um, so literally, I only ever went to the mansion once and I never went back because once was enough for me. And even though nothing happened while I was at the mansion, I saw the world for what it was. I saw what was going on and I saw what type of girls were there. And I literally wanted no part of it. So for me, when I actually done the modeling and got to that stage up there, I knew what that whole world was like because obviously I was very deluded. In England, I was doing the modeling. I was doing car shows. I was doing modeling shoots. I was doing promotional work. But... I wanted to basically see from my own eyes what it was like up there at the top end of, of the modelling, which basically is the Playboy world. And when I realised what it was all about, I didn't want no part of it. So I did my best to try and get out of it, which was then I started getting into, like, the trying to help people. But also it's not very easy because when you try and go down the route of helping, I looked into, like, domestic violence counselling and stuff like that but with no qualifications in this world for that if you want to go into it legitimately you need to go and get your government degrees in it which wasn't possible for me so literally um I couldn't go down that route so I started trying to like build up my own blog and I've started with like my youtube videos but I wasn't at the same time ready for it because I still needed to have these realizations myself to be able to help anybody so that's why I feel like now that I've really started to dig deep with myself and get to the root of things then now I can start to help people so this is why I wanted to do this interview because I actually feel like now I'm at a stage where I can help other people
0: I think so you've been through a lot now when you said that girls go missing from that when they're in that situation what did you get any information do you know what they were referring to exactly
1: well basically they were just saying that at the parties at the Playboy Mansion when they have like the events like they have like the midsummer parties and the big annual events so they have so many parties a year which all of the things that I've been invited to that I could have gone to I could have been in that whole Playboy world but like I said for me Going there to America, I, went, I only went for four days and being involved in it, that was more than enough for me, you know, like to not want to be in that world anymore. And basically, he, this guy basically told me that girls go there and they go to these parties, they get drugged up, they're in orgies and they go missing.
3: It's like eyes wide shut. Jason.
1: Yeah, these girls.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking. These
1: girls go missing and nobody cares. It's not spoken about. And he was saying to me, basically what advice this Playboy employee gave me that was involved with Playboy TV, he said to me, if you're going to be involved with Playboy, use the Playboy name for whatever you can, the modeling world, it'll get you far, but stay away from actual anything to do with Playboy and the mansion because it's not a good world to be around. You know, and literally, that's what happens. He said, girls come missing, and he told me the truth about it. And that's coming from actual Playboy employees.
0: Adding justification to a lot of the rumors that yeah. it's beyond debauchery that there's actual rituals and sacrifice that go yeah. on. Because we're always hearing rumors about things like that in, in Hollywood. Yeah. and Those kind of circles.
1: Basically, the way that you get to the mansion is is if Hef likes you and he likes your pictures, you can go and you can be part of that world. That was the way it was for me. Um, when I was going over to do Playboy TV um, and I was speaking to people from the mansion, basically, um, I sent pictures in, they got sent to Hef, and then basically it was like, yes, you can come, you're invited at such a time. And then literally that's the way it works. If he likes the look of you, you're invited to that world. And then the girls are basically sleeping with Hef. I've heard rumours that basically Hef is not actually that interested in the girl and he's more interested in gay porn. But that's what goes on in that world. And the girls are all very willing for it. I mean, when I went to the mansion, they're all hanging around him on his every word. And... Basically, that is what's going on there. And if he likes you, you're welcome to be a part of that world. Like I said, since going to the mansion, I had multiple invites, even a letter from Hef, and a signed picture from him and stuff. But I didn't want to be involved in that world. That world wasn't for me.
0: Is there any implication that uh, Hugh is involved with anything sinister?
1: Well... Yeah, from what they said, with obviously the girls going missing and stuff, yeah.
0: Right. Does it go up to him, or is it people around him? I mean, he's, he's obviously a, a rather aged person now. Yeah.
1: Well, I would only, like I said, I've not had the actual, like, my experience with Hef was just that I went to the mansion, basically, on a Sunday, and I actually just played Uno with him. All the other girls were drinking and talking sexual and stuff, and I just kept out of it. My experience at the mansion, I just looked around the place, enjoyed the food and kept out of any of that. So I can't actually speak from personal experience of what Hef gets up to, only what I've been told by the girls and employees.
0: Did you keep in touch with anyone from that time of your life?
1: Um, I kept in touch with a few of the girls, but to be honest with you, they were all very shallow and not the sort of girls that I'd want to be friends with. I mean... They didn't, that yeah, they didn't want to even speak to me. I went to the mansion and I was very lonely there. I actually sat on a table on my own because the girls in that sort of world at that sort of level are not very nice girls. Um, and to them, that sort of world and that lifestyle is worth it to them. Because at the mansion, you can get waited on. You can have what you want. They can have whatever they want, them girls. They can have the claws, the surgery, their food, and demand whatever they want. And literally seeing girls like that didn't appeal to me. I thought it was a very shallow, horrible world.
3: Well, it's a satanic satanic cult, essentially. Yeah,
1: I mean, even to the extent where I was sat with some girls and they dropped some, like, serviettes on the floor, and I went to pick them, like, oh, don't pick it up, the staff will do that. To me, and all the staff were getting treated very badly, very slave-like, and I wasn't comfortable with that. So I literally stuck with the staff when I went to the mansion and literally they gave me a tour around and and I literally was speaking to the kitchen staff and complimenting the food. I stuck more that to that side of it than being involved with the girls and the drinking and the, t- the sexual talk because, you know, like I wasn't interested in any of that. Um, a few of the girls, like, you know, like tried to, like, not direct from the mansion that day because the girls there were really bad the girls up at the top there are really 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 bad um and but a few of the other girls from like the playboy tv side of it we kept in contact a little bit but again it wasn't a world that i wanted to be invite, uh, involved in so like when i came back to england then I did my like I, I was gonna get out of the modeling world. It wasn't for me. I'd got there up to that point at the top and knew then basically that the whole thing was just corrupt and that basically it's all about sex, mind control, and that I didn't want to be part of any of it.
0: So I guess the the bottom line on all of that is that it's just like every other major media out there, whether it's the music industry, the movie industry, yeah. when you start getting towards the top of it it just turns into the Eyes Wide Shut style debauchery.
1: Yeah, yeah it does. Uh,
0: not not surprising because that's what keeps coming out when people like you who don't want anything to do with that sort of darkness comes out and says, yeah, that's not for me, this is what's going on and I want nothing yeah, to do with it. You
1: see, there, there's been girls that have wrote books about the mansion and it, but the thing is, not a lot of people hear about that. People just think, oh, playboys, is this big, fun, and it's not.
3: What's the Saturnalian uh, Brotherhood? Yeah. And, and the thing is, you have to question, you know, who is Hugh Hefner really? Because uh, obviously what people discount is that they think that everyone on this planet is just human, like you and we are, like we are. And uh, it's not necessarily so at the top. Mm.
1: That's it. The thing is, for me, is when I was doing in that sort of world, for me, aiming for the top, I needed to see from my own eyes um exactly what was there at the top for me to be able to continue and when I got there and saw what that world was like I just wanted out of that world and then basically ever since that I've tried to just set up my own thing but like I said my my head wasn't really in the right place and only now I actually feel like I can put things valuable out into the world for people um and help people because I'm in a a lot better of a frame of mind now. Over the last few years since all this, you know, I've I've still been dealing with a lot of my own issues, and I, obviously, I still am as well. But I've got through a lot of it, and I feel like I can actually start to help people now.
0: Well, considering what your past had been, if you had stayed around that world, they may have tried to course you further yeah, into it. Exactly. And- well- that's not who you really are, and it would have gone right back to the horrors of your of your younger years.
1: Exactly. I mean, during my whole time modelling, um, the amount of photographers that I had that were approaching me for sexual favors um, that you'd arrange a modelling shoot with, and then they'd message you the day before and you'd be being all sexual. It's in that sort of world to succeed. You know, the what the girls are doing basically. They are whoring themselves out. It's
3: about sucking dick.
1: Yeah, it's about sucking dick. Whenever anyone asks me about the modeling world, that is what it's about. And literally, these girls are happy to do that because they want that sort of lifestyle. And to them, it's worth it. And to me, you know... That would never be worth it.
3: It's pretty much how the world operates. Yeah, it's pretty I mean, whether much. whether it's, you know, in the modeling world or I mean in just if you look at it just relationships, I mean yeah. the whole dynamic between men and women is completely broken.
1: Oh, well, yeah. In general. Definitely.
3: So
0: this whole thing is a word word of the warning to if you want to get involved in any kind of major entertainment, media, anything like that, be careful what you're what you're getting involved yeah.
3: in. Yeah. Well they say be careful what you wish for because you might get it, right? Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean... So that being said, that's all behind you now. What is it you want to accomplish?
1: My... The way I want to do now is to share with people... To me now, because I've started to deprogram and see things, I want to help other people that have been through the same thing do the same because it's like the world is basically fucked there's lots of people going through all this trauma and there's lots of people that have been abused and gone through this sort of thing. But the thing is what nobody really deals with is like, why in the root of the issues. And, you know, it, it all like with me stems back to childhood. And to me, I want to concentrate on what's going to help people like to me, cannabis and like, the, all the um, psychedelics which have really helped me I literally was in Holland for the last five weeks and during that time I think I did probably about eight, eight times the mushrooms which really helped me um, I started to have a lot of visualisations during that time and it was really tough but now I'm glad that I actually dealt with it because people are actually scared of the psychedelics and there's no reason to be scared of it because, you know, it's going to help you. It's going to help you through it, basically. And it's the same with the smoking the weed as well. It's like, uh, like, well, I actually prefer to vaporize. But like...
3: Yeah, or cannabis oil. Yeah, well.
1: cannabis oil. It's like all these things. So to me, promoting the healthy, holistic things...
3: Um you're pretty much a vegetarian or you, slash vegan. Slash
1: vegan, yeah, for the most part. with the food because obviously like when I said I had the health problems and I had been on the medication for two years, when I started to do all my, my research and stuff, I was looking into all the natural stuff and I actually um for like twelve weeks I went on to like the raw lifestyle and within twelve weeks I'd sorted out my own health problems. And stops the bleeding. But the thing is, for me, when there's times, obviously, through financial things, um, you can't always keep that up and things come back. So it's a continual thing. What message I want to get across to people is that you can't just go on a temporary diet in life. That's not what it's about. It isn't about going on a, a juice diet for a week or doing whatever for a week. It's you've got to keep this lifestyle up. You've got to keep yourself continually healthy because as soon as I can't keep up that lifestyle up, all the health problems start coming back. I start going back with all the hormonal stuff and the estrogen imbalance and basically what most of the women are going through because like so many girls that I'm talking to are going through the same sort of thing. But the thing is, is that people are trusting more in the wrong thing they're going to the medical industry they turn into the pharmaceuticals and it's messing them up they were actually giving me medication that actually had the hormones that were actually increasing my symptoms when I first went to them I had like one tumor in my womb and then by the time they'd finished them I had another one and they'd grown and my stomach had swelled out to the size of like I was like heavily pregnant I was losing pints of blood a week um, and it was just crazy and it 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 took me to the stage of ending up being hospitalized and basically during that time all the women were having operations in the ward and they were all saying to me you're going to have to do it the only solution for them was that for me they said you're just going to have to have this done there was no like discussing what what caused the problems there was no discussing it was I was just told it was hereditary when i started to look into it and i found out that actually it's things like the food the dairy the meats the pump, yeah, trails, yeah the, the chemtrails yeah the chemtrails shira, exactly all all kinds kinds of things. so i then that led me into the truth i found out about chemtrails um, I start, like I said, I started to look into the cannabis and see, like obviously, why they're withholding it and why it is illegal. Um, so that led me into everything else and opened the doors to everything. And then, ever since then, you know, I've been sharing the truth with people. and just basically trying to wake people up, and that's that's what I want to put my time and effort into: into waking people up, showing people the truth, showing people that you know, like. You've got to do this for yourself instead of trusting in the people that are running the world that are not wanting us to be healthy and have the good things. They're actually doing this to us. And the problem is they're causing the problem, and then people are turning to them for the solution. And yeah, that's, right. and that's what's wrong. So, like the message he's putting out there that we don't need to turn to them, we need to turn to nature.
3: Well, and that's why the government has made nature illegal.
1: Illegal. Yeah, nature is illegal. And people are actually, whenever I suggest people about nature, people are so scared of nature. And I, and the thing is, nature is the answer, and it's the only answer.
0: So I know you have a blog. Yeah. And is that one of the ways you want to try and get this out there? Because yeah. you already have a lot of subscribers and, and plenty of views on there?
1: Yeah, that's exactly the way. I mean, for me turning my blog around something positive and turning what I created when I was doing the modeling into something positive, because I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm about. I'm not the least bit interested in in anything like that. I want to share the truth with people and help people. So to me, to be able to turn something that was negative, that didn't make me feel good, into something positive, is is what I'm going to put my time and energy into. Yes.
0: So you had a whole bunch of followers from back in those days, and now you can use all that and as a positive thing now.
1: Yeah, I can turn it around. I I basically created a, a big following through the modeling and through the playboy. So basically, now I've turned it around, and now I want to share the truth with people. I want to help people. I've just um, started offering holistic counseling, healing. Um, for people and now I want to turn it around because like I grabbed people's attention in one way but that was the wrong way and it was never a way I was comfortable with and now I want to use that platform for something good
0: Have you had any reception yet? Anyone uh, getting back to you? who would have obviously known you from before and seeing what you're doing now. And if so, what kind of reaction are you getting? Yeah, I
1: mean, I'm, I'm getting a really good reaction. The blog's actually growing quicker than it ever was before, but by sharing the truth. So to me, that's something positive and it's just continuing to grow. And now, now that I feel that I'm actually at this, because the thing is for me, Jason, over the last few years, um, What I've done is I started my blog, and I started to write posts, but because I wasn't at the right place myself, um, I'd, I'd do little bits and then sort of step back and isolate myself because I was still dealing with my own issues. And I basically went into hiding. For two years, I came off all social networking. I came off Facebook. I came off everything. I came off my Twitter. All the things that I built up, I came off. And then literally I've gone back to them now. And I'm now I'm in the frame of mind where I feel I can help people. So now I'm ready to put out the information because I'm ready to help people and I'm getting a really good response with it. So I'm just going to... That's where I'm going to put my energy and effort into now.
0: That's wonderful to hear. Are you hearing uh, from anyone from the past going, hey, this is total change of life events?
1: Well, yeah, because I think the thing is... I think that's why it's a good thing because it's it's very unexpected and people are like, because the thing is with me, Jason, is people have always been like, oh, just some dumb blonde that did modeling with our no brain, doesn't know anything. So in a way, it's attention-grabbing because people are like, whoa. Um, and it's got, it, I originally got the attention in that way, but now... Like, for instance, on I would posted a YouTube video about sharing the truth, and someone actually commented, oh, I came here to actually laugh and mock. But actually, after watching this, now I love you. Because it's like, you can turn it around. But the thing is, you know, I'm not willing to go down that route of that again. For me, it's not about me or putting myself out there in that way because obviously i still do get that if i post a video you will get people coming along that are like sure body and it's like no (laughs) that's not what it's about for me and you're not going to get that you're going to get the truth you're going to get help but you're not going to get that from me i'm not willing to do that i'm not going to haul myself out to this society um you know that's not the way it is and it it you know, and it, this is the message that needs to be got through to women as well, because it's like, it's not about that. And it's like anybody, I could make YouTube videos now, Jess, and using my body and this, that, and the other, and using that, and using that angle. But I'm not going to do that, because that's not going to help anyone in this world.
0: No, and it's also going to keep that negative st- uh, stigma going, too.
1: Exactly. So to me now... People are going to have to listen to me seriously and I'm going to put stuff out there. But it's going to its going to be, they're going to see me and they're going to see none of that. And that's the way it is. And so far, I'm having a really good reaction. So I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to, like I said, I, had, I hadn't been putting like my full energy into it because I didn't feel like I was ready for that. But now I'm ready and I'm ready to start making serious YouTube videos. I'm, I want to talk about, Um, cannabis I want to talk about um, psychedelics I want to talk about you know the vegan lifestyle I want to talk about the plant based lifestyle I want to talk about nature basically now and I want to talk about serious stuff and people now can start to see that I'm not just some dumb girl I actually you know do know stuff and I can help people and you know I'm ready to do that
3: uh, one of the things that I think people would would benefit from is if you would talk more in uh, in detail about some of uh, your epiphanies or some of your experiences that you have had while you've done the psychedelics and like for example maybe talking about the ayahuasca and or maybe yeah. some of the more the heavier mushroom trips like some of the stuff yeah. that you experienced and and any advice you could give people about uh, how to start to do it because obviously you know once you. – started to do it like once you have a basis of experience it's a little bit different yeah but how you could start to do it and then what to expect yeah or you know just to try to yeah you know if you're recommending people do it well yeah
1: you know well that's it well it's obviously it's a process and you've got to get started somewhere and the thing is it's you've got to get started on you obviously on yourself you've got to start to love and care about yourself enough because, you know, taking care of yourself and like seeing, like changing your diet and stuff and balancing things more within your body and like being open to these things, you know, like for instance, Russell just mentioned the ayahuasca. When we did the ayahuasca, um, I had some really big realizations. That was really tough. I mean, I was throwing up, I was crying. I went back to the womb, literally I was laying under the covers and I was like I was in the womb again and I was scared to come out. I was – then I went back to the bedroom when I was a child when I used to hide under the covers and I was scared of coming out. I was scared of coming back under the covers because I was scared of being back in the bedroom. I was scared of being back in the abuse. But the thing is by doing these experiences and it taking you back to them and you having these realizations and seeing things for what they are, it frees you. You are freed from it because then you can move on from it. You can, you can actually start to realize that you that there's nothing wrong with you. You're not crazy, and you can start to move on with your life. But it's it's a hard process. I mean, from the the thing as well is like what I want to do is like for being a woman being in the society with the makeup and stuff, I'm still dealing with these issues. And when I did the mushrooms, one of the heavier mushroom trips I did one night that lasted about six hours, I was literally going to the mirror and literally I wouldn't look at myself. I've literally been like running away from mirrors for years because I felt that bad about myself. I mean, I was literally from a young age being told natural things about yourself, about your skin being too pale and that you freckles and that you're different. And I, as, a, as I started, as a teenager, you start to, like, wear the makeup and you start, start to sexualise yourself like women do and you start to feel like you've got to do this in society to fit in. Um, you know, I'm deal, dealing with the deprogramming with that and the mushrooms actually that night kept taking me back to the mirror and I, it took me probably an hour to first go into the mirror. I was crying, I was running away from it. And then eventually I went to the mirror and then I literally stood there with a makeup brush in my hand and my hand just took control. And I saw what a mind controlled, uh, the, the, the brush just started moving and did all my makeup perfectly. And I was just like, it was showing me how mind controlled I am in that mirror.
0: So this is a word for everyone out there that this is this is what happens.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is it's you've gotta be you've gotta be open and willing for this. And the thing is, you know, I'm talking to people and I'm talking to girls going through the same thing, but you've gotta be you've gotta be willing to slow princes and people are very scared and people are more scared of the plants and stuff. And the thing is the like like they say, the, the plant's gonna show you what you need. No, what you need, not what you want. And nobody wants to face these issues, but they're, they're what we have to face.
0: What do you feel the state is right now in the world with just with everything that's gone on and, and how, how the corruption is so bad at the top? Do you feel that things are improving, that more people are waking up and realizing that plant-based nutrition is and, and medicine is what they need? Or do you feel that the ruling elite is, are, are getting more and more control and pretty much destroying our societies.
1: I think that they're gaining more control. And I think people are very deluded to think that more people are waking up because the thing, what I found is um, most of the people that even are aware to a certain bits of the truth are, are still very stuck and only get to a certain point And then that's it for them. And nobody's actually really doing anything. And nobody's dealing with like the issues and there's loads of, Traumatize people, and um, you know, um, I think to say that people are waking up more and more is is not really. I think people are are going backwards. I mean, look, look at what stage people are at right now. What who is actually doing anything? It's
3: hard to get people to even yeah. talk to you. I mean, or yeah, to, to to even be willing to meet or yeah,
1: no one. I mean, I basically have been sat on my own for years, I mean when I met Russell and started talking to Russell um you know, I'd I'd, I'd basically been sat on my own in my bedroom, I mean not talking to friends, because everybody's stuck in the hole, everybody's partying, everyone's drinking, everybody's smoking, everybody's doing the wrong things in life and then they label you bad for doing the good things in life, I mean, I've been labelled crazy, I'm I've done my best to do what I can and been trying to do the plant-based lifestyle to eat organic and people consider that crazy because you take yourself out of that world and you don't want to do that anymore. So then basically like you're alienated from society for it.
3: Do you want to talk about uh, leaving England? And yeah. and moving.
1: Yeah. I mean, basically when I went back to England to leave England, I went back for six days and during that time, I just have people attacking me, and what do you mean? Like attacking, like what I was doing, basically telling me out that I was wrong and that I've gone crazy, and that basically that I'm insane. For doing that, and that I should just get back in society. What i found since trying, because since waking up, I've wanted to get myself out of this. And your children, and my children, and my aim was to get myself out of out of the system, and to be growing my own food, and to take myself out of all this. I, you know, like to me, what what's the point in finding out? all this truth and gaining this knowledge to do nothing with it so that's been my aim but obviously finances have held me back and with no help basically um you struggle but I, i've done the best i can um so my main aim was to set up away from that and do the best i can but everybody around me has just been trying to pull me back and and i actually went back to after doing all the psychedelics. Um, when I went to Amsterdam, I only originally went to Amsterdam for a few weeks, but um, I was literally, I needed to be there longer and do what I did. Um, and I'm glad I did now because I went back with a lot clearer frame of mind. And I'm so glad I did because I fear that if I hadn't have done that, basically I could have gone back and I was still being very brainwashed by the people around me.
0: Because they're still st- stuck in the matrix.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and all, I'd reached out to people, even to, like, family members and for help. And basically, there was no help, and people were still labelling me crazy. And I even reached out to my parents to be open and finally speak the truth, be willing to talk to me, but they're still labelling me a liar, still labelling me evil. So to me now, the way I see it is I've given everybody a chance. And I've given everybody a chance to to, I mean, you can change any day. You can, you can decide to be a good person, but these people are still willing to basically lie. And for me, realizing that these people are actual psychopaths and that they have no empathy has took me a long time to realize because I've always tried to see the best in people, even my abusers. I mean, I still gave my mum another chance up until this week. I was willing to talk to her and she still turned it all around on me and not willing to face the truth. So to me now, do you, I'm just willing to help other people and talk about it and expose this because to me, all this just needs exposing. These people need exposing and, you know, it, it, things need dealing with because... While these people just continue to be allowed to do what they're doing and nobody's speaking up and nobody's talking about these things and it'll continue because, you know, I started posting since since, um, actually being in Uruguay. I've got to the stage now where I feel a lot more settled and... I can actually just think straight and think more clearly. Now I'm starting to be more active and feel like I can start to post stuff on Facebook and I'm getting people commenting and people that have been through similar stuff. So now I'm sharing stuff that's helped me. So I feel like I'm actually doing some real good now and I'm ready for that. Um, just even sharing things like the Cafe O'Brien, the Arizona Wild, just sharing about the psychedelics. So for me now, that that's my... Um, And at least now I know that I've given everybody a fair chance and that to me now I'm done and my energy is just going to be put, I'm not going to put any more energy into these people that have just basically drained and abused me.
0: Would you have a message for anyone out there who seems to be walking down that same path?
1: Yeah. Basically, I would just say that, you know, don't be afraid of, of speaking out about the truth, of talking about what you've been through. Um, don't feel, make these let these people continue to make you feel bad because that's what these people do. They turn it around you. They emotionally manipulate you. You know, I never knew about emotional manipulation or anything like that. And I'm only just starting to understand about what these people actually do and the way they turn it around and make you out to be the bad person. And actually, just like you mentioned before, the repetitive programming of telling you that you're a bad person. And I think now there's a lot of people, things are coming out in the open, things are starting to come out. People are starting to say, actually, I was abused. But the thing is, people are being shut down and, and being told to be quiet, being told to shut up. It's been they're being emotionally manipulated. So the way I w- what I would say to people is, is to stop, stop the let's stop this. Let's stop letting these people be in control and emotionally manipulate us, and start to do these things like the psychedelics and and like. And the cannabis and these positive things that can start to help you, because to me, these are nature is the only thing that's going to help people. And people are more turning to the fact when people are depressed and they've been through abuse, they're turning more to antidepressants and bad stuff and alcohol. I mean, clubbing. I know, know. I know, girls, I know girls that have literally just come out with the fact that they've been abused by the father, been raped, all sorts of stuff that I've heard, because a lot of people have been turning to me. And, but they're, they're just partying and drinking the sorrows away rather than actually dealing with the root of the issue. And rather, they're actually scared of exposing these people.
3: Be- well, even while their children are still being molested. Yeah,
1: and their children are being molested. and And the thing is, this just cannot go on and and the thing that's the thing where where you said to me where I feel the state of the world is everybody's stuck with the new age bullshit basically because <laughs> and this drives me crazy because what really gets to me is like especially when we're in Amsterdam a few of the time when we talk to people and these are people that you consider to be people that are awake to certain elements of the truth and the best sort of people but they will then turn around and say and say that it's all about perception and the way you and it's like, no, because abuse does exist. Children are being abused. So it's like we can't just focus on the positive in life because
3: look at all the wars going on. Oh, talk yeah. about talk about some of our experiences with the with the darker skinned people.
1: Yeah. And and what I'm finding is the darker skinned people are the nicer people and they're actually feeling when we me and Russell were in Amsterdam, we we were coming across so much I mean we we get treated like that like like Ray, like like racist like, or like yeah different, like or... different yeah so like we know how it feels, but when we were coming across the darker skinned people in Amsterdam and talking to them, we found that like they would cry because we were being nice to them because they've made made to feel guilty. For their skin color and being made to feel like they're, they're less. And because obviously we've been through that same sort of thing, we understand. And just to see them like crying and being, and feel, yeah. and being apologetic through their, and they feel like they can't even speak out, which is basically the same as the abuse victims that you feel actually like the bad person for speaking out. Literally, even my mum this week has basically been like, for speaking the truth and being like right well you know what i'm going to wait i'm going to tell the truth regardless and she's literally like threat, being so ridiculous and threatening to like report me for abusing her because this is what these people do they turn it around and the people in the world nobody's taking notice that, that this is all going on and everybody's just in the stupid pretend bubble of pretending that the world's fine and that just all by being positive, the world's going to be fine. Well, it's not.
3: Talk about the uh, the war on terror and some of the wars that are going on and how it's made people feel.
1: Well, yeah, the war on terror. Basically, you know, like the the way that all the darker skinned people in the in England, in England, the nicest people are the Muslim people. Basically, the darker skinned people because They're being labelled terrorists. The British people are turning around and saying, basically, that all these people deserve to die, even the children. They're supporting the wars. And they're basically, like, all believe in the news. They believe that the, the Muslim people, and the thing is, in England, the only sort of positive interactions I were having, mainly, and were from like the Muslim people because basically they know how it feels to be put down, to be labelled bad, and they they can't speak the truth. They're scared of speaking the truth, and you know this. People, people need to be realistic to what's really going on, and that's why me and Muslim are finding it so much nicer where we are in Uruguay, just to be treated nice, just to be going places and feel welcome, and and get a positive reception and be spoken to nicely. I mean, we're just not used to that, which is so sad in this world. It really is.
0: Well, everything you were describing as far as back in uh, a very Western country like England, that sounds like it's all part of the greater distraction.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, people are very distracted by it and divided. England's very divided. And the thing is, in England... um, you know, especially where I was from, there is a lot of the Muslim people, and there's a lot of the darker skinned people. But the thing is, them people are, are, are kept very down in the society, and the 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 white people in England are, are, are being very superior, and everybody's very divided. So England is a very very divided place, and literally like. I've been on local transport and I've seen people attack Muslim girls and say, get back to your own country, you're a terrorist, you're disgusting, you're smelly, and just label them really bad. And And these people take it. They sit there and they won't speak up. I've been in taxis where the people... Um, are attacking them. They'll go into because in England most of the food is like from the Muslim community. Like there's a lot of local businesses and the people go in and attack them. And this is it's exactly what the the elite want. A divided people. Nobody's sticking together.
3: How about when, how about when we were in Holland? I want to talk about some of the the Aryan? Ever- oh not- yeah. Yeah, Nazi-ish. the, the
1: Nazi-ish. I mean, in Holland, the it's really extreme. the 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 supremacy, the super, the way they act, so superior. I mean, that it's a very, very Nazi place.
3: And it's con- very controlled. It's
1: very controlled. I mean,
3: when well, Amsterdam has a certain illusion of being this like kind of free. free, and it's
1: it's not free at all. I mean, it's so controlled. I mean, the way we felt there was really, really hot. We felt. We felt the same as the darker-skinned people, basically.
0: You're saying like the local people there were treating you like outsiders?
3: Yeah. More, more than that. Even. More than
1: that. I mean, it's very Nazi, very controlled. It's not a welcoming place. It's not a free place. It's such a, <clears throat> a, a big, Nazi, horrible, controlled – I mean, literally – I feel so relieved to be away from that place because we couldn't have took much more of it, could we?
3: Well, tell, tell them about some of the stuff that happened with, like, what happened in the hostel even or what happened when we were at the restaurant or just yeah, some of I mean, the stuff. I mean, it was getting really dangerous. Yeah,
1: I mean, literally one night... um after I'd gone back from England, and I went back to Amsterdam, Russell had actually booked us in a hostel. He was already staying in it, booked us in another room.
3: Well, we even did a rental, yeah. and, you, and you paid for yeah, it.
1: Yeah, I paid for a rental in from Amsterdam Airbnb. from Airbnb, and literally, I paid for it, and the lady never contacted me back, so literally, we, I, she just ignored me, and I paid for it, and I. So, literally, I went back to Amsterdam. We had nowhere to stay, so Russell butts was in a hostel. And, literally, we was in this hostel, and the room that we was in was all guys. And we got in bed that night, and Russell was in a different bunk to me. I think probably, it was probably about six of us in mm-hmm. the room. Yep. And I was in bed, and, literally, I got woke up in the middle of the night to a guy shaking me vigorously, trying to get in bed with me, basically trying to have sex with me. Wow. But the thing is, I literally froze and I didn't, I felt scared and I literally couldn't sleep the rest of the night. I didn't want to get up and I didn't wake Russell up. I didn't feel safe until the morning until the guy had actually left the room to actually get up, go down to Russell's bed and tell him what had happened.
0: Did he just back off when you didn't reciprocate?
1: Well, he just stood there. I was like, or he put his phone in your face. Yeah, he put his phone in my face with, will you have sex with me? And literally then for the rest of the night, I couldn't sleep because I didn't know what was going to happen. But he was obviously testing and shaking me to see how awake I was because the thing is in Amsterdam is everybody's going out getting so drunk and they're going back to the hostels and they're all out of their minds and heads. That's what everybody's doing there everybody's going there nobody's even interested in the cannabis there everybody's just going out getting wasted and going back to hostels so to me that guy was testing whether I was it was whether he was able to basically get in that bedroom eh
3: right tell, tell him what happened when we were in the Indian restaurant
1: yeah and then one night we was in an Indian restaurant and literally there was this guy that got stuck getting up and being an idiot and then literally he, he he went outside and then these other guys come. And then this girl come in the restaurant basically with a knife. It was just all getting so crazy there. And then the police turned up and basically was just on the side of the people there. Even the people that owned the restaurant, which were the darker skinned people again. Basically, I've just got people going like these wannabe gangster type people running things from their restaurant that's normal to them and they can't say anything and the police just came and then just left them to it basically Hmm. so it just goes to show you exactly how corrupt it all is and you see it for your own eyes and the darker skinned people see it but they can't say anything and when you mention it to them they're all shh about it because they're scared
3: well, and the thing is, it's it's really crazy. Like, um, I don't know. I had like I, I almost got pickpocketed like three times. three times, and then there was one. There was one point where uh, we were we were in Vondel Park. It's just like a park in the center of Amsterdam, and okay. and these uh, these people like asked us to come over and and talk to them and drink with them or whatever. Some uh, a, a white couple, and then uh, literally. <laughs> there was this uh, a darker skin guy that like basically like biked over and you know, he was asking if he could like buy a cigarette and I, I didn't have any cigarettes, but the guy, the people we were hanging out with, uh, they were smoking and I was like, yeah, just give him a cigarette. It's fine. You don't have to like buy it. And so we started talking with this guy and then literally uh, you know, it was obvious like he was like, selling drugs or whatever, which, you know, I don't discriminate against people. It's fine. You know, everyone's got to make a living somehow. I I understand how the way the world works, but, uh, literally, uh, the other couple left and then this guy started kind of getting aggressive with us and he was sort of like seeing what we had or what he could get out of us. And then, you know, and we were even before that, we were even talking about like racism because, um, you know this other guy from England was you know calling him like a nigger basically <laughs> and he he got really upset and we were saying how it was so horrible and wrong and then literally uh not long after that he basically turned on us and tried to rob us yeah over like cuz i wouldn't give the dude like 50 cents or something you mm-hmm. know and it was insane so so basically everyone is Pretty much like people are just like turning into animals.
1: Yeah, they are. It's, it's, it's I, I,
3: I like what, uh, I always laugh when I think about what, uh, Jordan Maxwell told me when I, when I was living with him. He said, People didn't evolve from monkeys, people are turning into monkeys.
1: Yeah, that's the behavior we continually saw in Amsterdam. People just basically acting like animals.
3: Well, we were afraid for our lives.
1: We were.
0: I think it's getting very obvious that with all the things that, the controllers have been doing to degrade our society. It's really just becoming very obvious at this point.
3: Why don't you, uh, why don't you tell Jason some of the dynamics that you've had even trying to deal with my mom and how that's helped to even show you like what's happened because, well, basically my mom, you know, we've talked about this in past interviews. I mean, you interviewed me when, (laughs) when I literally had gotten out of the mental hospital because my mom had literally originally, she called the cops on me saying I was going to kill myself when I wasn't. And I got, I, got 5150, which I got like a 72 hour hold in the mental hospital. And then I got out and she called the cops and said, I was going to kill myself again. I managed not to get in. And I was so desperate. And in just such like a bad situation when I was talking to people in my family and my mom is like a multimillionaire and I am destitute because they won't help me because of my, you know, the the fact that I like speak the truth basically. And it's like contrary to their interests because of uh, the kind of stuff that they're involved in. And, um, literally, Stephanie, she's had a hard time seeing how like, you know, because as a mother, she doesn't understand like, or she didn't understand how, you know, and again, even dealing with the stuff with like her mom and stuff that had happened, she didn't realize like, like, how was it possible for people like not to care about their own children because she loves her children so much.
1: Yeah, it's for me, as a mom, that was really hard for me to understand because, you know, obviously... With how I feel, I just can't understand how a mum can be like that. So I actually, when I saw how Russell's mum was treating him, I actually said to him, let me have your mum's email. Let me talk to her as a mum. I'm like, surely I can reach out to your mum as a mum and, you know, make a see. I'm literally, I emailed her and she basically manipulated me. In what way? was I was still very deluded because basically when I we she reached out and she was like, Oh, I'm, I'm so glad to hear from you. And like, I really care about Russell and I don't want this. And so basically we Skyped. She cried. She showed me pictures. She, she basically manipulated me. And I was like, Russell, I had a good talk to your mom. And Russell was like, Steph, you've been manipulated basically. But, Again, me, because I always try and see the goodness and see that there's got to be some good in there. There's, she's a mom. She's, she, surely no mom can want her son to die. Because I, I was literally crying to her. I'm saying, you know, like, I'm never going to abandon Russell. I'm like, I've been there. I've seen how ill he is. Like, when Russell came over to England, obviously I'd only spoken to Russell on Skype and we'd spoke for a long time. Probably like six months on Skype, but you can't see the degree of obviously how ill someone is just by talking to them on Skype. And you can't see the full picture. But obviously, when I actually went to get Russell at the airport when he got deported from England, I was shocked at how ill Russell was. And I was like, wow. And it really brought my heart to have to leave him because when I said to Russell, come to England, I didn't have much to offer him, you know. The best offer I had for Russell was the fact that I was managing. Some someone was helping me by um, basically, um, I was getting a hundred pound organic shop once a week, and that was going between me and the boys. And I was like, Russell, if you come here, I'll I'll help you. Come come be here, and like we'll help each other. And basically, I didn't have a lot to offer, but you know, I was like willing to share what I had to offer. Um, so to me, the fact that his own mum would leave him in that situation just didn't make sense to me. So I I thought, well, I, I'm going to talk to her as a mum, but she just manipulated me and she was still... And then she's turned, tried to turn it around now on the fact that I'm actually some sort of gold digger.
3: When I have absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah, and when I've I literally, like, been helping Russell myself with what I've had, we've just, like, put together what we have and share. I mean, again, just emotional manipulation. Then These people are just complete psychopaths, and it's took a long time for me to see it. I mean, my mum said she would Skype with me. I was willing to talk to her. And then literally she was like, actually, no, you're evil and that same stuff again. But again, me being me, I just, I gave her and it's like, it's took so much it, for me to actually see this and actually realize that some people really have got no feelings and they are just evil.
3: Well, it's, it's really a psychopathic system. I mean, yeah, the world well, is run
1: by psychopaths. Why
3: do you think, like, uh, why do you think they didn't let me into England twice?
1: Exactly. Because obviously.
3: Tell, tell them what happened. Why don't you tell everybody?
1: Yeah. Well, basically, like the first time, I, I, I went to get Russell, and literally, I went to get him, and he didn't come through. I was stood there waiting for him. And after like an hour and a half, even to find out of them, took an hour and a half to find out that he'd even arrived. Because nobody told me anything. We're like, we can't tell you information. I said, well, I came to pick him up. He's come from America. Like, surely someone must be able to tell me something. Did he even arrive here? Where is he? That flight arrived. He wasn't on it. I'm, I'm confused. And it took a lot for me even to find that out, like an hour and a half of running from person to person. Then eventually... I managed to speak to someone, and they told me that they'd held him in customs. Um, so basically, um, or immigration, sorry. But basically then um, I had to leave my number with them, and then immigration rang me. And then they were questioning me on basically saying, that obviously Russell, they said he hasn't got money, so what's going to happen? I said, well, he can stay at my house, you know, like he's not going to cost him anything to live, and I'm going to like... Help him with food and stuff. I've got food, so he's not. But the, basically, that was not the issue. We know the issue is is why we, why the issue is It's because of what Russell does and what Russell shares. But the, and and then the, the second time they told him that basically he could come back if he had a round trip ticket and more money. So obviously Russell went back to America, and we we had to like where another four weeks or so for him to be able to come back and have enough money to even come back because he'd gone back to America stranded literally with nothing. He went back to America and had literally something like $80 or something he stranded with a broken laptop. So Russell was pretty much stranded. I I'd helped the best I could, you know, from where I was and literally his mum wouldn't help him. They all left him stranded. So, like, we had to work together to make this happen with, literally, his Aero support and literally, like, worked it out, and then he come back, and then, again, the same thing, but they let him in for four days.
0: They let him in for four days, and then what happened?
1: And they'd kept his passport, and he literally had to go. So then, obviously, I wasn't going to leave Russell stranded. You know, and I wanted to be with us and I wanted to support him and be there for him too. So then for me, I was going to leave England and that's what I've done.
3: Well, and not only that, but they stuck me on a, well, they were going to basically ship me back to America, but they stuck me on a connecting flight through uh, Germany, but then they made it so that it was impossible for me to make my flight. So I got stranded in Germany and that's when I just, I just decided to buy a ticket to Amsterdam because I was going to be stuck there.
0: Yeah. Now all of this all this um, all these things that happen to you, you think it's because of how outspoken you are. You're, you're very prolific on the internet. you're always putting out a lot of really good information and always trying to connect people and, and get the word out there and you think that this is probably retaliation
3: Well I, I lived with Jordan Maxwell and I helped I helped Jordan to try to deal with his legal situation. In that basically uh, this family called the Dolazals kind of came in and they sort of uh, tricked Jordan into believing they were like good people and then they, they got his trust and, and then ultimately got control over his website and got him to sign some like bogus contract which basically signed – he, he literally essentially signed his soul over them even though it wasn't like a legal contract that didn't matter because they got control of his website and started posing as him. And and ultimately I, uh, I lived with Jordan for six months and I gave him my life savings of what, what I had which wasn't like a ton of money but – um, it, it made me a target and I connected with other people like, uh, Santos Bonacci and Rick Simpson and, you know, all these other, uh, activists. And I also, uh, was growing cannabis as well and, uh, producing uh cannabis oil to heal, heal people's cancers and their terminal diseases. And I was, I've been distributing it and, uh, mailing it and stuff like that. And so that basically makes you a terrorist. Right. Because you're a threat to uh, the Vatican and the, uh, the U S corporation, you know, and the, you know, the Illuminati.
0: Right. So the bottom line is you've been doing things to help people get out of the system and that's not what they want.
3: No, they want to keep you trapped in the system and they want to keep you dependent on them and they want to keep, control over everything that's what it's really all about i mean it's really just the the matrix is all uh, you know they say what is the matrix and morpheus says control you know even even right now as we talk to you uh this thing on my laptop which is like they say it's like apple tv it keeps popping up and and literally i can't turn it off so they're they're literally you know watching my screen everything that i do you know obviously they can see through the camera on your laptop but uh, they, they're even like remote watching my screen and, and literally, um, you know, it's, it's agencies like, uh, CIA and MI5 that really, uh, exert a lot of power behind the scenes in this world. It's the intelligence agencies because they control all of the information and they have the resources to do whatever they want. And, um, I mean, I've been, uh, tremendously targeted and i've been being harped and uh they've been just messing with me and essentially just trying to kill me that's why i've had uh cancer and i've had all these health issues and had virtually uh, no support and been you know like thrown in mental hospitals and stuff and um yeah, i mean just had all these all these issues it's really uh it's insane, and then when you try to tell people about it, you know, people try to tell you to be positive and mm-hmm. shit like this, and it's 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 frustrating because you, there's no support, and you can have thousands of friends on Facebook, and no one will actually help. Mm-hmm. And and you know, you can try to talk to people in the real world, like like I don't know, like we're in Uruguay here, and there's a woman, whatever, who works like a local, mm-hmm. uh, you know, restaurant that we eat at, and you know, she's asking us for like movie recommendations and stuff, and I ask her if she likes documentaries or anything and she's like no <laughs> you know what i mean so people aren't even open like at all and even the ones who are sort of like pretend to be open you know there's always a point like when you start talking about chemtrails and stuff it's like the switch goes yeah, off that's it. and it's they just, just like and the thing is i don't just like leave people alone I, I i'm i confront people and and challenge them because essentially i'm not gonna uh, acquiesce to a, a slavery and uh system ruled by intimidation and violence because it's, it's, it's wrong, you know? And the thing is that people don't even believe objectively that there's such a thing as right and wrong. Um, one of the uh, tenets of Satanism is moral relativism, which basically is like, what's right is what's right for me or what's yeah. whatever I want to be right at them in the moment. And that can change
2: yeah. based
3: on your whims, you know? And, um, essentially I really like, uh, a lot of Mark Passio's work. I was a bit disappointed because I've, I was able to connect him with uh, Jordan, but, you know, I've reached out to him and haven't really had any uh, response. But, you know, I really like his work because Mark was an ex-Satanist and he basically has come out and exposed, uh, you know,
1: everything. I'd say, like, for you introducing me to his videos, that's helped me a lot of of a better understanding of all. Because while I was with Russell in Amsterdam, we spent the time really doing the psychedelics, watching Smart Passy watching Kathy O'Brien. So we've spent the time productive. So it's got me at the stage where I'm – because I wasn't getting it, basically. I was really, really deluded. And I'm not saying that I'm totally un, unprogrammed or anything now. It's because a process. It's a process, yeah. Of
0: course
3: dealing, it is. With, when you're this, dealing with years and years and years of abuse and mind control, yeah. and it's not just um, – mind control from family or just relationships i mean the whole world is based in mind control yeah. i mean from you know the moment we're born we're, we're literally given a birth certificate and fucking sold into slavery and we're yeah. forced to uh exist within a monetary paradigm which is essentially the trading of souls <laughs> you know what i mean and then and then literally all of the food is poisoned. you're vaccinated and fucked up and then they're you know, they're chemtrailing you, and people are watching television all the time, which is putting out alpha waves and putting people into a trance-like state, and now we have all the uh, the technology with the the computers and the phones, which is radiating people and is used to propagate uh, propaganda, and is uh, it's putting out certain frequencies which are essentially damaging to consciousness, you know, and obviously uh, technology, to be sure, is a double-edged sword, but... But people don't understand how, for example, like someone like Nikola Tesla was was used. Uh, he was one of the world's biggest geniuses, and he died uh, penniless and unable to pay his hotel bill because uh, J.P. Morgan didn't want to give the world free energy. And uh, you know they've taken his uh, technology and weaponized it in the form of uh, Harp, you know, which is being used for uh, w- mind control and weather weather manipulation, and um, you know, and with. People don't understand what the chemtrails really are all about. No, and Nobody um,
1: looks up to this guy. Nobody cares.
0: I've had similar, prob- similar problems when I've tried to discuss it with people. They just blow is it off. It's problem. Oh, that's nothing.
1: And some people have even tried to say that maybe they're good for us. I've heard that one a lot. Maybe, how do you, you know it's not you, good for you us? Hear, you, hear,
3: you hear it all. Crazy? You yeah. really hear it all. But people are just in denial. And the thing is that... Um, you're, you're free to make choices, but you're not free from the consequences of those choices. And, exactly. And, and natural law does exist. And, and there is a creator which has uh, set all of this into motion, and that creator is not impotent. And that creator has been really uh, observing all of this, and it is uh, largely disgusted, not by you know individuals like us, but by individuals who are um, hurting It's creation, you know, obviously you cannot separate the creator from its creation, and the creator uh, created us to uh, honor the creation, not to destroy it. And so for all of the people that think it's okay to uh, either be a slave or to make slaves of other people, they are in for a rude awakening. Well,
0: I I think it's safe to say that the majority of the people are living in darkness and are perfectly content to stay there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is that uh, the Creator simply won't allow it and that there there are uh, actual physical limits to insanity. And we're, we're reaching those limits, you know. Uh, it's like the Cree prophecy says. It's only when man has chopped down the last tree, poisoned the last river, and eaten the last fish that he'll realize he can't eat money. And, you know, what is what is money, Jason? And what is, uh, what is it all worth, really, when um, we're willing to... Uh, be a slave or or make slaves of others and um you know how is it right to kill or hurt somebody who has never harmed you totally agree we virtually had uh no support in any way and you know i've been uh in really bad health and stephanie has been in really bad health and ultimately uh we're working towards the goal of uh you know having a self-sustainable farm here in uruguay growing um you know, our our own food and growing cannabis and you know whatever basically whatever fucking plants we want, but we can't do it without help. I mean, you know, we're doing our very best, but uh, literally, I mean, I have cancer and Stephanie's still dealing with her own health problems, and we're we're actively uh, putting out as much information as possible, but with no support, it, it, it's virtually uh, impossible. So. You know, if people would, uh, like to donate to us to help us, or they would be willing to utilize our services, it would be much appreciated. So
0: why don't you give out your websites, YouTube channels, anything you have for your media?
3: Um, well, my name is Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L, uh, Blattberg, B-L-A-T-T-B-E-R-G. Um, probably I'm most active on Facebook, uh, my Skype, you can probably find me under that name or my Skype ID is uh high on life. S I N Z eight, eight. Um, my email is Lucifer L with four O's S E F E R at gmail.com. And my, uh, YouTube channel is the same. And, you know, if people want to donate to my PayPal or, or anything like that. It's, you know, that would be uh, much appreciated. And obviously, uh, you can essentially donate to Stephanie in the same way because we're together. Um, I think it's
0: safe to say what you're trying to do is you want to set up a a much more ideal way to live and use that as an example to show others.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. And the thing is Jason that, uh, it it doesn't matter whether that people help us or not, but the reality is, um, they're going to need our help because ultimately, uh, the walls of, uh, tyranny are closing in. And, uh, you know, with the, with all the FEMA camps and the, essentially the concentration camps in America, I mean, uh, another Holocaust is being prepared and, uh, world war three, you know, is already essentially underway. And, um, it, the thing is that it's a, uh, it's a silent war and that's why they wrote quiet weapons for, uh, silent wars. And that was the declaration of uh, war against the whole world. And people just don't realize, uh, I, I, recommend that, um, not because I think that Alex Jones is such a great guy necessarily, but I, I recommend that people watch, uh, uh, Aaron Russo's, um, final, uh, interview reflections and warnings because, uh, Aaron Russo was a, was a filmmaker you know, and he started making documentaries and he, he was basically running for governor of Nevada and Nick Rockefeller um, tried to bring him into the Council on Foreign Relations and ultimately exposed uh, you know, the new world order plan for a one world government uh, run by the elite where they ultimately want to chip everyone with an RFID chip and all of the money will be digitalized in those chips and if they don't like what they're, you're doing, they just turn off your chip. And, uh, everything which is taking place in this world is working towards that goal. And ultimately what people don't understand is that th- these people at the highest levels are not really people. They're, they're extraterrestrials or, or at least hybrids. And they don't give a fuck about us. They don't give a fuck about this planet. I mean, that should be obvious. Yeah. And when they're done with us, they're just, you know, we're, we're all we are is livestock and how do we treat, you know, the yeah. animals of this planet. We, we've basically turned them into slaves and just a commodity uh, to be used and abused and thrown away or eaten. And, and that's essentially what we are, is we're just slave labor and chattel and food, essentially. And when they're done with us, they're just going to throw us away and they'll go on to the next planet. And ultimately, uh, you know, the reason why people love the Star Wars movies is because there's a lot of truth to it. But people don't realize that this is the evil empire. And... Um, Ultimately, the goal of these extraterrestrials is to conquer uh, the entire galaxy, and we're not alone, and we'll never we'll never be alone, and we never have been alone. And there's obviously not only uh, malevolent forces; there's benevolent forces, and that's where uh, a lot of our genetics come from. Is because obviously within humanity exists duality. I mean, we have the ability to, you know, create the most amazing art and music, and we have the ability to to have uh, the most uplifting and wonderful of emotions and we also have the ability to uh, be evil <laughs> yeah. and most people are choosing evil and unfortunately it is a very negative karmic path and I believe that the, uh, the creator uh, will not allow this to go on any further past this lifetime so my feeling is that if people want to continue to exist within creation, that, you know, it's like my, my dad who uh, killed himself said, he said, uh, shape up or ship out. Yeah. So uh, I would, uh, hope that people would, uh, find their souls and do the right thing. But unfortunately, uh, I don't think it's going to happen for most people. Yeah. And, and what is more likely to happen is that, um, we're going to more or less kill ourselves and the planet. Uh, Or at least we're going to kill a majority of ourselves and we're going to kill a majority of the planet and it's going to take this absolute devastation for there to be any, um, like a a death cycle, for there to be any new growth because uh, until this whole paradigm uh, dies, none of us can really live.
0: Well, I think it's pretty obvious that things are coming to a head in, in, in some way.
3: Well, the whole financial system is going to collapse, and the world is descending into a uh, total tyranny. I mean, what do you think is going on in America with uh, 9/11 and you know all these wars and the the ever increasing police state with the Patriot Act and the National Defense Authorization Act and all of the FEMA camps and all of these false flags where. You know, every day there's a new terrorist attack, but it's really just all fucking CIA, Hollywood-style mind control. And it's like I'm grateful to Jordan because um, he's, you know, basically done the world a real uh, service in uh, educating us in terms of, like, what's really going on. You know, like we're we're told that there's ISIS, but it's like, well, who is ISIS? ISIS was an Egyptian goddess, (laughs) you know, so – it's not like uh, Muslims running around. It's all of these occult um, institutions which are uh, manipulating consciousness for their own end, and people are their uh, willing pawns. But if you've ever played chess, you'd know that the pawns are the first to be sacrificed. That's right. So.
0: Well, I think we covered a lot of ground here. Stephanie, is there anything you'd like to uh, say as a last word?
1: Yeah, I'd just like to add that. Basically, I just think we're at a point now where it's just all about exposure, bringing as much as it can, because nobody's doing anything. And I'm with Russell on the fact that I just think that creation is not happy with people and people can make a choice any day to be a good person and people are just not making that that right choice. It's just ignorance. So, share papa, share right? Well,
3: and the bottom line is that if uh, if you expect to be fed eternally because you're going to work some job, well, you're going to be sorely disappointed. And you're you're far better off allying with the, uh, the planet herself rather than the government. Because yeah. uh, the government will only feed you as long as it suits their interests. And what, what do you think Monsanto is all about? <laughs>
1: Exactly, you've got to set your own life up and set things up and
3: think for you, yourself. Think for
1: yourself, exactly. Stop, switch the TV off and stop doing what people have got to take their own life into their own hands and start doing things and start getting back with nature. Take yourself away from the the society. I mean,
3: basically. the biggest the biggest problem. A lot of it is just uh, people, even with their own families.
1: Yeah. No one's sticking together. Everybody's divided. Everybody's fighting with each other rather than at the people that are actually doing this
3: to us. And they put it all out there. I mean, you know.
1: There's enough information out there. But The thing is, it's getting people to even watch this information. I mean, I can post and post and post on Facebook, but getting people to actually watch it. Is another thing. Well,
3: they, they they put it out in our faces to laugh and, at us. And I mean, they like, put it
1: out exactly the thing. What do you
3: think they live? They live. live. We yeah. watched
1: their live the other night. It's all there. It's in the films, it's in the music. You know?
3: What do you think The Matrix is about?
1: Exactly. <laughs> it's all there.
0: I think part of the problem is that we've been bombarded with so much information, we don't actually know, or a lot of people don't know, what the truth is.
3: Well, what what would you say uh, is the truth, Jason?
0: Well, it depends upon what we're talking about specifically.
3: Well, do you believe that the truth is an absolute thing? I mean, like, in general, though. I mean, obviously, like, not like... Because that's the thing. I think people tend to focus too much on little situations. It's like, well, but what would you say? You say people don't know what the truth is, so what is the truth, Jason? Mm-hmm.
0: That there's a very corrupt controlling el- worldwide elite that are trying to ...dominate for their own selfish reasons.
3: And people are going along with it. And yeah, people, people are going along with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, the thing is, Jason, these people are supporting it. there would be an outcry if people couldn't get Coca-Cola and watch TV. Well,
0: they're because, supporting it with their complacency.
1: Yeah, the, the thing is, this is what people want. They're making them choices. No matter what, If when you tell these people, even if they, they find out that this stuff's bad and they know... They still want to do that. They still make these bad choices. So it's like as long as these people keep supporting the system, that's the problem. So the the people that are supporting it are the problem because if it wasn't supported, it couldn't carry on. That's the problem. And these people are happy to support it. I mean, to them, this is life. Partying, drinking, Coca-Cola, TV, fashion, makeup. You know, that to them, that is life. That is their purpose, which isn't a purpose. Nobody's actually got a real purpose. They're just going along doing all the mind-control stuff. They're happy to support it. Everybody just wants to go shopping. Um, That's what people want to do. They want to support the bad things. Nobody's got, and the thing is, when you're trying to do some good in the world, who's supporting it? Look at the information that Russell puts out there for free, all the time, the information, but then when you ask for support, nobody will give you the support, but people will happily support these brands and corporations that are actually enslaving everybody. That's the problem.
0: I think most people don't even want to acknowledge that they are enslaved.
1: No, because people think they're free because they can choose between diet cork and normal cork. That's freedom for people. Or they can decide what TV program to watch. They can say, well, we've got Hundred and five channels. Oh, so we can choose because we can choose what channel we watch. This is how ridiculous people well, we are. We can
3: choose how to spend our money. We can here. choose
1: what clothes to buy. We can choose and it's like that to them is freedom. As long as they've got the option of Cork, Pepsi, McDonald's, Burger King, they've got freedom. Because they believe that they're free. Because they can choose that which is stupid and they're supporting it. And it's like Even when you see the people trying to open up organic places and stuff and people trying to do something good, there's not enough people supporting it. People are too busy still supporting the bad. And they don't want to give that up. And this is why all everybody's doing now is partying and doing all this stuff because they're clinging to it because to them that is life. Without the phones, without the Coca-Cola, without the fashion, without the TV, what are these people going to do? Because they haven't got any other life. Because basically, they're just going along with what they're told that they're supposed to be doing. They're too busy going along with this set life, which is totally against anything that it should be.
3: Well, they don't want to be exactly. True. And
1: we're just and when you like, what, for instance, going back to me, going back to England, freeing myself from that. People are like, "You're crazy. What are you actually going to do in Europe?" I'm like, "Well, actually, live a natural life, being healthy, be happy." Not sat watching TV, not drinking every weekend. You know, it's like people are just killing themselves slowly.
3: Well, innocent, you know. Yeah, but the, people the, are being bombed, and it's not in, fair in on the third children. World countries or uh, exactly. To but death. the thing
1: is, Pete. You know what people's attitude is to that? Well, it's not happening here. Or what people's happen, attitude is to children being released? Well, it's not my child.
3: Well, it's just like they live.
1: It's going to take until it absolutely collapses and it all happens to people. But then it's too late. What are people going to do then? That's the thing. People are more interested in like, well, I still want to. What I experienced in England was even the people, because I spent a lot of time teaching and educating people on what I knew, but people are like, well, they're not ready to give all that up because to them that's the goodness in life. So that's where we're at. To them that is life.
3: Yeah, but the party's going to end.
1: The thing is, the party's going to end. Yeah, the party's off soon. And what are they going to do when they haven't got that left? They've not got set anything up for themselves. They've not thought about the future. They've not thought about the children. They've not thought about anything. So it's sad, but it's very true. And that's where we're at.
3: Law of attraction.
1: The law of attraction that everyone's talking about. They're all... All the new age people—where's that going to get anybody?
3: These people are going to starve to death or, yeah. or end up in a concentration. The law there. of
1: attraction thinking that you positive thoughts isn't going to get you food. It isn't going. It isn't stopping children getting abused. None of it is. And these people are so deluded, but they're deluding themselves. The information's there, but people are just being ignorant. To and, it. and
3: people wonder why the uh, the benevolent extraterrestrials uh, don't step in. It's like you can't save people from themselves. You have to
1: save yourself. Only you can make that choice. Same with when you try and give someone the information and they say no. You or they attack with, you. Or they attack you.
0: Now I've experienced you that plenty of times.
3: Yeah. Yeah, well, it's because uh, people are essentially allied with the, uh, the control system. You know, That's how people are, are using uh, their power, is they're giving it up. Or uh, using the power to uh, dominate other people. Yeah And that's basically we're in a world run by psychopaths But uh, nothing lasts forever No Thank God
2: (laughs) Yeah yeah.
0: Well guys we're at an hour and 45 minutes Do you want to wrap it up?
3: Just that I love you Jason And thank you for uh, giving us this opportunity Yeah
1: thank you Jason
0: It's absolutely my pleasure I love you guys too
1: I love
3: you I think the world needs more love yeah that's the answer
1: it is people coming together loving each other helping each other caring for each other it's not not
3: rocket science no it's not hard anybody can be a good person exactly because we are all born with a heart yeah
0: alright well this has been a great interview Uh, do you want to put out your information one more time
3: why don't you, Stephanie? I think I did a little earlier.
1: Yeah, um, you can add me on Facebook. It's Stephanie Lloyd. Um, I also have um, a YouTube channel, which is Steffi Starlight. And I also have a blog on Google+, which is, again, Steffi Starlight. And my email is glittersteff at uk.
0: Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you guys here.
1: Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having us, Jason.
0: (laughs) We'll talk to you again soon.
3: All right, man. Take
1: care. Take
0: care. You too. That's it, everybody. We'll see you again.